Are we ready? Oh, fucking A. Who's ready for the new intro? Oh, fuck you. <laughs> and are, I. Are you ready for the new <laughs> intro? <laughs> are you ready? I don't know if you're ready for the new intro. Because <laughs> here it goes. <laughs> awesome! <laughs> I can deal with this. Let it play out for a while. Okay. <laughs> Greetings, folks. I'm Dan. <laughs> and I am Eddie fucking Murphy. <laughs> I still think uh, Sanford and Son fits us better. <laughs> Sanford and Son, what's it going on? I'm, I'm, I'm coming up with ideas. Although I really do appreciate the party all the time because I think, remember that time that we went to see Metallica? <laughs> And I had that mixtape from Jackie. Yeah. And that was on it. We just kind of repeated that like for like an hour. I think one of the themes of our conversations lately has been one of those songs that you realize really isn't that bad. That's one of them. <laughs> Plus it had Rick James in the video and it was awesome. Yeah. Not a bad song. But that has nothing to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> so as we stated before... We are so-and-so-and-so-and-so. Uh, welcome you to episode 77 of the Shred Shack Podcast, your weekly, actually sort of weekly, source of news and uninformed yet heavily biased opinions pertaining to all things heavy metal. Let's start with some old business. I always like elongate that part so I can have the time to go do it. Old business is old business, and new business is new business. All right, so less than two weeks after... Everyone's favorite rock and roll money grubbing scumbag, Gene Simmons, filed an application for a trademark on the so-called devil horns hand gesture. He appears to have had a change of heart. On June 20th, Simmons expressly abandoned the application with the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Oh, just, dude, just stop. Just, yeah, like, why are you even do it in the first place? Right? Either go balls to the wall crazy or don't do it at all. I think, I think I saw later in the article that there was a guy in the in the from the patent office that said there was absolutely no way he was going to get that because it has been like gentrified uh, what is it not gentrified but um kind of like synonymous with the uh like we talked about last week last week with like band-aids and, and xerox it's like synonymous with the um the genre of metal that it really can't just be trademarked by one individual person it's almost like just part of the public domain yeah at this point yeah, yeah. so um <clears throat> I, I think i have a clip for this one hang on one second yeah oh, here we go you fool. There you go. But that's it. That's it for old business. I'm just glad we got Gene Simmons out of the way. Yeah. I just said Boy, his name twice, so I owe him 10 cents. That escalated quickly. Yeah, let's just, let's just, no. <laughs> Before I start, you know, getting, getting angry, like, just, soda, help me out. Keep me, keep me hinged, buddy. And this is new business, and we do not discuss new business until next quarter. Well, while Darren's chugging some soda here, uh, oh, yes. with new business, we usually discuss uh, new releases. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's talk about new releases. But we don't have any new new releases for this week. Yep. But I did pick up, as I mentioned last week, some new releases from the past month or two. Um, I made a special order for Father's Day for myself, and I picked up the new Arion record, The Source. I picked up Iced Earth Incorruptible. I picked up the new Night Flight Orchestra. Um, I forgot what that one was called. And I picked up the new uh, Life of Agony, which I haven't had a chance to listen to yet. And next week is the new Stone Sour. So I actually have like a new, new release to talk about when I come back from vacation <laughs> in two weeks. Fuck. Man, it's not even new anymore. Man, you a dick. <laughs> I'm an asshole. Uh, but anyway, so 
We listened to the new Ice Earth record last night after the Iron Maiden show on the way through the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't even see it on the way home because we listened to the entirety of it in the parking lot. In the lot. parking yeah. lot. <laughs> and I actually, like, I listened to it a couple of times the week, uh, this week before uh, this weekend. And um, it's one of those ones that I, like, I had to listen to twice before I got into it. Uh, it didn't grab me as much as Dystopia did, like, right off the <laughs> bat. Uh, this has more of a Plagues of Babylon feel where I had to listen to it twice to actually really get into it. But the thing is, once I did get into it, there's a lot of really good, catchy shit on here. Especially Black Flag with uh, the barrels of rum. <laughs> that, is, that is the most hilarious. That, that is probably the funniest thing since I have the balls from from their cover of Number of the Beast. Pete, have you ever heard that? Uh-uh. They cover Number of the Beast, and instead of towards the end of the song, when they say, I have the force... Instead of saying that, it sounds like he says, I have the balls. <laughs> and it's Matt Barlow saying it, so he does. He's got I know the I've balls. heard that. I yeah. mean, I know I've heard the, I think I've heard the song before. I don't know that part. I have to go back and look at that. It's going to yeah. be one of those things that, like, now that you've, now that we've said it, and every time you hear it, you're not going to be able to unhear it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Totally so. unhearable. Speaking of the Ice Earth covers, like, have you all heard uh, their cover of The Trooper with Stu Black? No. no. Okay, just because I'm looking at your poster and like y'all still need to check that one out. Like that wow. to me is one of the best Iron Maiden covers I've ever heard. Oh, um, hot so shit! Yeah. I didn't even know they did that. Yeah, I'm touching myself tonight. <laughs> we need that clip like every other day. <laughs> that is fantastic. Um, as for uh, the new album, I felt I don't know. I, I got into it. I felt pretty quickly. I think I felt I've, I, I kind of disagree. I felt it was more along the lines of dystopia than. Um, maybe plagues of babylon um definitely it's kind of similar elements which is not a bad thing like i'm not yeah, dissing yeah. it at all um i guess just different kind of perspectives there but i, I thought it was just a great catchy yeah. little album i'm actually really psyched about it because i'm as i mentioned yesterday when we were talking about ice earth singers matt baller was always my number one and then followed by ripper and then Stu block i think Stu block has kind of moved ahead of ripper owens now as far as my favorite ice earth singer so it's now matt barlow Stu block and then ripper because uh, I really like the way he the, he sounds with the way John Schaefer plays. Yeah, I think he has the best elements of both Matt and Ripper. Um, but I think I just think that if if Stu Block was the singer on uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes, he would be the number one singer for me. But Matt hmm. Barlow is the singer on that one, so that's oh, it. Give them some time; they'll do um, Days of Purgatory Part Two. Oh dear God! They already did that. They re-recorded um, Dante's Inferno again with Stu Block when he first got in the band. I mean, if you're going to have the revolving door of singers, you might as well do something like that. <laughs> I think your epic song and, and redo it yeah. time and time again. All right. <laughs> um, the Night Flight Orchestra record, the new one. I mean, we've I've been jockeying this band for a long time now. I think Pat just finally jumped on the bandwagon recently. You know, he had his Arsenio Hall moment. And, <laughs> and it's just good 1970s hard rock made in 2017. It's fucking incredible stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean... If you if you're if you're a fan of that kind of like throwback sound, definitely check this goddamn band out. Plus, it's fucking Speed from Soilwork doing his clean singing the whole time. It's great. I haven't heard anything from them at all. Oh, period. Dude, dude. I just keep hearing you like year after year. Like, oh, I mean, you should listen to them. I'm like, yeah, I'll get on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's on cue. I get it. Them, them alongside Ghost. <laughs> Well, at least you fucking saw Ghost, but yeah. we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Oh, and then the last one, I didn't get to listen to the whole thing. I think I'm like maybe three quarters of the way through it is the new Arion record, The Source. Sploosh. <laughs> I don't know. 
I, I think we talked about this last week, and it's taking me a little time to get into it because I, I feel like I heard it before. It's not. I don't think it's that because, like, with with Arion albums, with anything that Arion does, there is always several strains that are common throughout. A lot of his leads, a lot of his um, <clears throat> rhythm work, it is very similar, regardless of the of the um, project he's doing. Um, and on this album in particular, like he's got a hell of a pedigree of people. I know? think that's the thing that bothers me the most about it is the fact that you know a lot of these. Res- mo- I think all, all of the singers are returning singers. It feels almost kind of all of them. All right. Well, if a majority of them are yeah, returning like, I'd singers. Say, I'd say more than seventy. It kind of feels like a little bit lazy. Like he's writing for people who he already knows how to work with. Mm-hmm. You know, like instead of like every other Ariana project was was brand new. It was a whole, a whole cavalcade of new singers almost every single time. This one he brought a whole bunch back, and it feels like, you know, it feels a little lazy. You know, with uh, it, the first listen I, I had. Um, you know, I, I heard um, what was it, the day the world went away. Is that the first track title? I think so. I heard that prior to the album coming out, and I liked it because it was you know it's, it's the one that kind of introduces everybody. Um, wasn't too keen until we hit uh, everybody dies. So the next song was a little bit softer, which which kind of plays out in the same pacing as Zero One did. Because you start off with a long track that introduces everybody, then you have the the slower track. Well, they got it's the Sea Machines is after um, the day yeah, that the world well, breaks down. And then the day the world dies. breaks down. Sorry, there you go. Um, <clears throat> but the the Sea of Machines song I wasn't too into, and then Everybody Dies comes on, and that's yeah. a great song. That's an enjoyable song. There's um one guy that he uses a lot of in this one, mm-hmm. and I forget his it, name. It might be Nils Kru. Him. Yeah. Yeah. He is all over this album. Yeah. Um, and he's. Like he's the one that you said kind of ruined the uh, the rage part. No, that's oh. Mike Mills. Oh, Mike Mills. Mike Mills is the one who does the zero ones, all the binary code. Oh, okay, yeah, that's yeah. Mike Mills then that yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, because he's all over this record, like I said, and he's got there's so many different um, layering projects that he does on this one that actually that's my favorite part so far. Well, that's the thing. Like what I like, what's what bothers me about the fact that I haven't gotten into this album immediately is the fact that he's taken so many strong talents and he has brought out he always brings out the best in his vocalists and this is no this is no um different Mm -hmm. Uh, like just the fact that the first introduction to uh, russell allen is that that kind of i don't want for lack of a better term that bluesy part it kind of slows down and everything and he's just kind of grooving like the fact that you bring him into into that that bit like you're playing to all their strengths and it, and it works very well. And with Mike Mills in particular, like he's made for a part that does a lot of overlapping. Oh, okay. so him, a lot of him, over the top and stuff like him that. Doing all that, all the binary code stuff, and then like like hitting like taking the legacy of like Queen type stuff and then just you know shooting it to the fucking stratosphere, like that kind of layering of vocals. Yeah. Like it's it's him it's him knowing what he has. And 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 using it properly, it's just I don't know why I can't write, get into it immediately. Well, so. I was listening to this in the gym, and it's one of those things where it's like, man, I really should just l- sit down and follow this with the book and everything. Because I, I think it's just that's I, where I'm losing it. Yeah, I, I think that's part of the issue with with some of this. That's there's like what twelve singers on this one. Jesus, yeah, I think so. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, twelve. I, I, I feel like with the last album. 
um, I was able to get into it pretty easily because of the fact that you can tell the story pretty much immediately because yeah. it's, it's pretty straightforward. And it, it was only usually like the one or two characters, maybe three yeah. tops. There was in one there was song. a total of seven people on the album, and one or two appear for very short periods. Of time. That doesn't mean that in like each individual part of the song, it was either one or two characters singing at once, yeah. not like the whole goddamn cast. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's something that once I know the story, once I can relate it to everything else, I'll definitely be more into it. I'll know why everyone's coming in mm-hmm. here and there. But like again, the bits I heard of it, I do like. Yeah. It's just I'm not like gung ho into it yet, and that's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I just this is my initial reaction. I mean, yeah. I still have to listen to the whole thing and then yeah. re-listen to it like, like three more times. This is from me listening to it in my car. Like I haven't actually sat. I haven't plugged in my my our our recording apparatus for this podcast is also my stereo. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't had this thing plugged in in over like three months. So I haven't sat there and just kind of sat in my office and jammed out to shit. Yeah. So when I get a chance to do that, which is coming very soon, I will have a greater appreciation for it while I'm sitting there looking at the gigantic fucking art book that came with. Yeah, I just so, got the, the Amazon. Yeah, no, one. no. I, 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 know, I, go, yeah, you. I go crazy all yeah, out. Yeah, you do. So. You do. So. And then I got the new Life of Agony, which oh, I will probably be listening to tomorrow. Oh, let, let, let's, let's just finish up our Aryan conversation with this. Well, you're a nerd! Yep, pretty oh, much. There you go. And you yep. listen to Life, you're going to listen to Life of Agony tomorrow. Yes, I am. Okay. Pete, did you listen to anything new this week? Did not. No. Did not have nothing to contribute to this. <laughs> I listened to nothing new this week, but I did listen to Look Down from the Lay Miss soundtrack. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which, Look I'm down. Saying, <laughs> you know, I don't know about you, but uh, I don't know. I didn't mind having that on repeat. That, that's no, it's, actually a pretty fucking catchy, no, good, well no, no, I'm not saying it's bad for, at all. I haven't actually seen much of the, the play the movie is actually really good, except for, of course, Russell Crowe. But, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> he's so. T- actually, the thing is that the fact of the matter is that his delivery of it is just so that much that character. Anyway, let's let's not divulge too far into that. The reason we listened to it so many times though is that my son William list- loves that song. We listen to it on repeat whenever I drive him anywhere, and we had to drop the kids off to their mom before we went to the Iron Maiden show last night. So we had a 25-minute drive of nothing but that song over and over again. From zero seconds to two minutes and 21 seconds. Right at two minutes and 20. <laughs> again, Daddy. <laughs> okay, baby. Okay, baby. <laughs> of course, baby. <laughs> <laughs> two minutes and 21 seconds. And the yeah. song's actually like three minutes, so he's just like, he doesn't yeah, care like, about well, the rest the, of it. No, because it slows down and it's not nearly as cool anymore. <laughs> So I listen to that, and it's in my head. That's You're why welcome. I have the hammer today. <laughs> You're welcome. But, um, yeah, nothing really new. Um, been trying to get through the, the the last review I got commissioned for, and then I got another one coming for a band that, whose name I don't actually don't remember because I saw the email once. Um, so nothing new. I haven't even checked the, like, the new release chart uh, lists in a while. So. Neither have I. I've been trying to just keep up on the ones I know that are coming up, like Stone Sour. This is that month that was so beautiful and it's almost over. <laughs> so, so I missed a lot. <laughs> so soon, in, in two weeks, because you know, next week is not happening. We said we were coming back for a week, for, for a weekly show, and... You lied to me. Yep. <laughs> So let's go on to some general news while we're just kind of, you know, talking about disappointing people. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons, Mm -hmm. formerly Phil Campbell's all-star band, has inked a worldwide deal with Nuclear Blast. 
Now, this band is the band featuring former Motorhead guitarist Phil Campbell alongside his sons Todd, Dane, and Tyler, plus vocalist Neil Starr. <laughs> Child labor of the band. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Featuring Neil Starr. Nice. All right, here's a good one. Reverb.com, the online marketplace for buying, selling, and learning about music gear, will launch the official Bill Ward Reverb Shop on Wednesday, June 28th. The shop will feature drum kits, drum heads, cymbals, and more gear used on tour and in the studio throughout the iconic heavy metal drummer's career. And if you guys don't know, you shouldn't be listening to our show in the first place, but Bill Ward is the drummer of Black Sabbath. Was the drummer of Black Sabbath. Yes. Well, there will be many notable uh, pieces featured in the shop. Perhaps the rarest is a one-of-a-kind Remy uh, Remo uh, 24-inch kick drum, uh, kick drum resonant featuring a hand-painted design that incorporates a bat within the word black. This resonant head was used on the front of Ward's kick drum on the Sabbath Bloody Sabbath tour in 1973 and 1974. The shop will also feature the original six-piece Super Zine uh, cymbal set used on recordings from 1968 through 1971, including the first album and Paranoid. If I were more of a drummer, which I'm not, <laughs> I think this would really excite me just to get some sort of random bit. Right. Like I would just go for that kick drum and, <laughs> and then use it. Been like, yeah, we're we're black, bat. <laughs> no, we're not. We're just, just <laughs> the drum head says we're rat. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Yeah, but, I mean, that's I saw I saw that he was like just selling off merchandise i didn't know that it was like actually kind of through these means yeah uh, which is pretty cool all right less than three months after the death of paul o'neill who is the creator of the trans-siberian orchestra the surviving members of the multi-platinum rock theater experience have announced plans to bring the show back for a fall 2017 u.s tour that's that's definitely not surprising yeah i mean i'm fairly certain that um for the sake of the coasts like west coast and east coast they um they had two different companies. I don't doubt it. I mean, the fact of the matter is that it's, like, it's gotten to the point where they're interchangeable, really. Yeah. Just like any other orchestra, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I think it's just a matter of like who you have, um, who's within your, your band at a given time. So yeah. like, you have you know, X number of people. What's... I've, always, I've always envisioned that giving enough time, bands become more of a franchise than an actual band. I, I always saw Kiss... Being that like the Harlem Globetrotters of of rock and roll, like they there's just... something on your face. <laughs> it was pain. <laughs> what have we said? We do not mention that name on. This I no 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 no. We we don't mention the tongue wagging son of a bitch. But the band we did not say. Okay, that's okay. true. The band is very good. Okay. <laughs> so I always envisioned Kiss being that band that had just a rotating cast of characters that not necessarily wrote new music, but has continued the legacy of the franchise. <laughs> just imagining like like sitcom material now with like someone replacing any member of the band like with somebody who's like got this really thick accent <laughs> <laughs> like like a perfect strangers kind of thing like like like, like the cousin just, like like replacing any member of the band don't be ridiculous <laughs> okay oh, that's terrible that's, yeah. that's that's one of the worst ideas i've ever had <laughs> and i've had some bad ideas all right Here's one last bit of general news here, and I just have it opened up on the, the Blabbermouth site because I didn't have time to copy and paste it. But according to Metro, 
Napalm Death's Spotify streams rose by a staggering 228% mm-hmm. in the first two days after frontman Mark Barney Greenway tried to teach well-known British politician Ed Miliband uh, to sing in a death metal style live on the radio. Okay. I don't I didn't even know that happened, but Ed, that's badass. And B, you know that that only took up about half an hour of someone's time. <laughs> <laughs> This is also true. This is also I mean, very true. I mean, true. hold on. Wait, wait. I have an Apalm Death song on here. Let me play it for you. Give me one second. Here it comes. Ready? Ready? Here you go. There you go. <laughs> 228% up. <laughs> That's literally a Napalm Death song. <laughs> That's awesome. I fucking love it. But that is that was just a cool bit of news that I thought was awesome. Because apparently he went on the... What the, the deal is here is that um, the politician hosted a discussion on BBC Radio 2, and it was on Wednesday, asking why does anyone like death metal? And he was joined by Greenway, who tried to give the former Labour Party leader a lesson in the difficult singing style. He was brought on to the show to discuss the topic as a uh, stage dedicated to the death metal genre is making an appearance... Oh, because they were... Oh, the stage was... um, There was a stage at the Glastonbury Festival for Uh the first time ever. And it was a topic of conversation on the radio show, so they brought Greenway in to talk about death metal, and he tried to give him a uh, a lesson in death metal singing. So that's pretty <laughs> awesome. Just, <laughs> what? Just no, it, it just just the ways that 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 metal finds its way onto mainstream shit. Onto mainstream shit. Yeah. yeah, like like just I'm just imagining the the scene from Mace Ventura. The cannibal, the cannibal corpses, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like just something like that, just kind of sneaks into the background. <laughs> yeah, like in uh, Monsters uh, University, you see that one? No, no. Monsters University, the mom tr- drops these guys off. They like take like a field trip, and they, the mom drops these guys off. She's like, "All right, guys, I'm just gonna sit back here and listen to my tunes." And all of a sudden, Mastodon comes out of the speakers. <laughs> it's fucking incredible. <laughs> nice, very nice. All right, so let's go on to some recording news. All right. Since Epica didn't like the idea of doing a double CD for the, their uh, last release, they finally decided to release an EP with six brand new songs, which were created during the creative phase of the Holographic Principle. The Solace System EP will be released on September 1st via Nuclear Blast. Their album titles sound like some of the nerdiest shit on the fucking planet. Yeah. Well, have you actually read some of their goddamn lyrics? Yeah. No, not, not, <laughs> not yet. I, I will before their show in September. That's right. Because I'm going to that. And plus, you probably would need to understand what they say before because you won't hear them because you're at the Alamo City Music Hall. Quick thing. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's true. <laughs> Which is going to be a goddamn shame. I know Lindsay's going to be mad because... She's never been there, has she? Well, no, and, and she loves Simone. Oh, Speaking of Simone, um, I wasn't paying enough attention to, to like the, the cast of the Ariane album as I was, I was listening to it. I was saying before that they're using all the singers to their strengths... Perhaps not so much with Simone, because I thought she was anarchy. Oh, well. Yeah. I love her, sounds, too. Sounds very much like, <laughs> like anarchy, whereas, like, you know, she, I love all Simone is operatic yeah. and should be used operatically. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, carry on. Carrying on. The Haunted will release their ninth studio album, Strength in Numbers, on August 25th via Century Media. The disc was recorded at Parlor Studios in the UK with producer Russ Russell, who's worked with Napalm Death, Demu Borgir, and The Exploited. I thought the haunted broke up, or like they went. Did they go on like you know, I thought the same thing. So I'm actually. I, I mean, yeah, I thought that they had broken up as well. So. Um, 
I'm yeah. not sure either. I, I, I just, I remember the last thing I remember from them is like 2006 time. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe they've been consistent. I don't know. But huh. cool. Uh, I, I like their stuff. So This one I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, Clutch will release a box set titled a Psychic Rockers from the West Group. Uh, Friday on Ju- June 23rd, which is this coming Friday, via Weathermaker Music. This past Friday, isn't it? Yeah, that it was, was this past that, Friday. That, Fuck. Was, that was two days ago. Shit. <laughs> well, I got June's go over, fucker. Got to spend some more money. Anyway, Psychic Rockers from the West Group is a five CD and one DVD package that contains El Rojo uh, from uh, Clutch's instrumental blues jam side project, the uh, the Bakerton Group, uh, Strange Cousins from the West. Earth Rocker Deluxe, which has two CDs and one DVD, and the latest clutch release, Psychic Warfare, which I haven't picked up yet. This is a limited release, hand numbered and signed by all members of the band. Wow, dude, I'm 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 fairly certain that you're just jizzing all over yourself right now. Well, good thing is that if I do get this, I can give you my copy of Earth Rocker because I already have that one, but I don't have the deluxe, so. Yeah. I'll put them on the list next to, to Ghost. and uh, <laughs> You really should check out fucking Clutch. They're really good. Yeah, no, no, I, I've, heard, like, I've heard a song or two of theirs, so yeah, just not really crazy to them yet. Like, I, I really liked Earth Rocker when that came out. That was, that was, I want to say that was like four years ago now, too. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, and you picked up that, uh, that, that vinyl they did when uh, the singer with, from Clutch did with uh, Minneapolis, right? Yep, I did. Fucking badass. Like, I mean... If you can imagine Clutch being more Clutch. Uh, <laughs> Is he as Clutch as Adam and Terry <laughs> in the Super Bowl? <laughs> no, just Clutch being how, more Clutch. That was, how much my more Clutch could be? On t- <laughs> <laughs> the answer is none. <laughs> Blacker than the blackest black. Times, times infinity. infinity. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Speaking of black, Black Sabbath has announced the 10-Year War, a limited edition vinyl box set, (laughs) released September 29th via BMG that brings together their eight Aussie-fronted albums again, plus a swath, I love that one, of other rarities, all housed within an exclusive artwork created by renowned street artist, graphic designer, and activist Shepard Fairey. Pete, don't even say a word. Never in my life have I needed something so much and never known until I received it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow yes that's yeah. right on the note <laughs> now that is that is cool because like I, I as i was reading through it at first i didn't realize that it was a vinyl one because i was like are we really sing the fucking albums again didn't they do it like twice Three. since i bought the first one yeah. <laughs> but now that it's vinyl uh i can understand a little bit more i'm just hoping like the rarities can you know, reappear somewhere else. Yeah. You know, because I, I like a lot of rare shit from from bands like Black Sabbath. Like their their demos, their basement tape demos, so good. And some of their live shit from like the seventies is good too. Yes, yes. So, I would like some of that too to reappear elsewhere. All right. Next up, Arch Enemy will release its new album "Will to Power" on September eighth via Century Media. That'll be the second one with uh, Alyssa singing. Really? Yeah. I feel like it's been for. I thought she joined the band like the seven years ago. Yeah. It's been a while. I don't think yeah. it's been that long, but well, it's been it, a while. It, it definitely happened towards like while wow, I was still doing the radio show with Pat, so sometime in the last like three over, years. Over three over three years? It's not seven. I don't know, it feels like seven. <laughs> I've been here for six. This happened after I moved down here. 
I have the fucking hammer, okay? <laughs> someone broke that. <laughs> someone, someone bit this fucking hammer. <laughs> you don't want to fuck with that guy. Yeah, apparently. Just foam <laughs> out. Anyway, Foo Fighters, not metal, but the closest thing that the mainstream thinks is metal is their ninth album, Concrete and Gold, is due out September 15th worldwide on Roswell Records, RCA Records. Followed by a tour that's not coming to San Antonio so they can go fuck themselves. I, I guess... Haven't they, like, every single time they've released an album, they've done a tour and then gone on hiatus and then... No, this, this, this last one is uh, the Sonic Highways one. It's the one they did the, the HBO show on. Then they went on a hiatus. I think that was, that was a joke because that was, like, last year. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I am... No, I love the Foo Fighters. They're a great, great fucking band, live show. Everything about them is fantastic, so... We'll, we'll, we'll tell you about the live show when you go see them again. Oh, wait, they're not coming here. Yeah, well, <laughs> y'all can go fuck yourself. <sighs> tell him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pete, come at me. No. <laughs> and I'd rather get kicked in the dick a thousand more times. So let's. Oh, oh, uh, we have a crowdfunding tracker. Let's, I did. Let's go on to our crowdfunding I tracker. I did. I found one. Uh, okay, so hardcore fan Mary Riley suffered a broken jaw and lost several of her front teeth. During a pit accident while watching Vane set at their at this year's Sound and Fury Festival at the Regent Theater in Los Angeles, California, the band themselves decided to help out with her expensive dental surgery by releasing a T-shirt featuring photos of the brutal aftermath of the injury. It's actually awful. It's fucking terrible. But you can also go help out on GoFundMe. Uh, though be warned, the photos of the injury featured there are not for the faint of heart. Huh. Like it's like wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's pretty rough. Yeah, she got she got fucked up. It's like that's the the T-shirt is a photo of that, right? Yes. Okay. Several of them actually. But as of right now, um, the goal is six thousand dollars. They're just past halfway. Um, they're at thirty at three thousand five hundred seventy-five dollars. It's like that uh, that Ghetto Boys album cover where the um, one of them got shot in the eye, and it's them rushing to the emergency room. <laughs> <laughs> or the Mayhem cover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for the blood, but yeah. So they're we got crowdfunding. No, but that's that's always cool. Yeah, you know, always cool to help out the fans who get. I mean, do they? Has there ever been a, a description of what happened? Yeah. No, I mean this is. I don't think it's like one of the ones like that other one where that girl actually like got kicked in the face like on purpose. Yeah, this is like I think this is a legit accident because okay. there hasn't been much like mentioned of the accident itself mm. just the fact that you know the, the band is taking care of it yeah. or you know helping to take care of okay. it so this isn't some dude high kicking with his steel tip boots and shit yeah no. yeah <laughs> no but that's that's again that's always cool so yeah good on awesome. the band alright and that's it for crowdfunding this week so let's go on to festival and there's a lot of look little, oh there's only two things at festival but there's just a lot the of first moves. one's a little long alright so a couple weeks ago, it was mentioned that the Rock and Ring Festival was evacuated. So, here's an update on that. Although a number of media outlets reported last week that the Rock and Ring Festival's evacuation earlier in the month was caused by a spelling mistake, police later emphasized that this wasn't the case and that it had concrete reasons to suspend the German Music Festival. According to Polestar, police had come across three suspects during a routine check, which led to searches prior to Rock and Ring. During those searches, Rock and Ring wristbands were found on two suspects whose names did not match the employees list of promoter Live Nation, but were reportedly similar. 
On June 2nd, the Rock and Rings uh, opening night, police asked organizers to evacuate the 87,000 concert goers. The festival, which was has been running since 1985, is the biggest in Germany, resumed early the next morning. Okay. So... I, I, was, I was misunderstanding why it said caused by a spelling mistake, but now I'm getting it. It's a matter of names being close, but... But, yeah. So the names that were they had listed were correct. Two individuals got through who have names that are similar. But they were... And, they had and wrist, they were, or mixed up wristbands or some shit like they that. Were, they were worried that there was just a spelling mistake, but it actually wasn't. Those people were actually legitimately suspicious. Yeah. Okay. So making sure that's what I, I got out of this. Yeah. So. Um... It does suck that they had to, you know, halt the show and whatnot, but this is definitely a case where it's better to be safe than sorry. <laughs> yeah, 87,000 people. Yeah, because yeah. if you think about it this way, yeah, it sucks that you had to do that, but if you hadn't, the backlash would have been awful. Yeah. So if you had any sort of prior knowledge pertaining to these individuals, that would have been fucking bad news. Yeah. Probably would have shut down the festival, which we don't need happening no, at this definitely point not. in time. And it's a good thing is because it's a, I think it's a three day festival, so it was only one the opening night that got closed down. They were still able to do the next full two days. Yeah. So. So. All right, last bit up here. Those Slipknot are mostly on hiatus while various members pursue their other interests. The group have just announced that their Not Fest event will return to Mexico in October. The Forgo Foro. Pagaso in uh, Toluca, Mexico, will host the event on October 28th. Lineup details for the event have yet to be revealed. Who wants to go on a road trip? It's not that far from here. No, that's right. Just, we'll just have to you update know, my passport. Well, well, we'll have to, you know, get our climbing gear on and leap that border wall. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get over that wall. <laughs> gotta get over that wall. That's apparently gonna have solar panels. Yep. Get over that wall. <laughs> get my climbing skills on. Here we go. Touring news. A Perfect Circle, which recently wrapped up a sold-out U.S. tour, will return to the road this fall, kicking off a North American trek at the Aftershock Festival on October 21st. If they're not touring with Mini Kiss, I don't care. <laughs> Mini Kiss. Mini Kiss. Love it. <laughs> All right. <coughs> we actually have some one-off news here. Mm-hmm. Uh, roughly seven years have passed since the quote-unquote classic lineup of Chimera, consisting of vocalist Mark Hunter, guitarist Rob Arnold, guitarist Matt DeVry, uh, bassist Jim Lamarca, and drummer uh, Adalis uh, Herrick. Andals. Andals, sorry. Andals Herrick. And keyboarder, uh, keyboardist, keyboards programmer, etc. Chris Spicuza. We're going to go with Spicuza. We're last on stage together. While that incarnation of the Ohio outfit came to a somewhat bitter end in 2011, time has healed all wounds with the sextet due to perform together for one night only later this year. Uh, The PRP.com, which is where I got this from, can officially announce that the band will be performing at the Agora Theater in Cleveland, Ohio on December 30th, 2017. Ticketing details and further info will be announced shortly. Wasn't Chimera on somebody's top three list this year? I think they were going to be on mine. And then Patton Reese stole it? Possibly. Right, that sounds good. Right. Yeah, because I think it was earlier on in the year. It was one of the top threes that we haven't done yet, I think. I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll um, figure it out. Yeah. All right. Another one-off news here. Guns N' Roses will be performing a special intimate show at the Apollo Theater in Harlem, New York for Sirius XM Radio on July 20th. 
Tickets for the concert will be available on Sirius XM's two Sirius XM subscribers with plans for the performance to air on the band's own Sirius XM station that will launch on July 13th. All Guns N' Roses all the time. Guys, you have three studio albums. <laughs> <laughs> and a covers album, a live album. Oh, wait, you have four studio albums because Chinese Democracy actually fucking came out. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's Lies? Lies is an EP. Yeah. That just happens to have, like, well, it's also covers again, so. Well, there you go. Yeah. But that's it. Um, we were just talking actually last night about um, these intimate kind of shows when we were mentioning Maiden. We talked about Metallica when yep. they did the, when they were getting ready to kick off the Hardwire tour. I don't ever see myself getting the opportunity to see one of these, but I do love it when bands do it. Right. Like that, that's a that's a special thing. Mm-hmm. As that that's one where I'd shell out forty bucks for a T-shirt that says I was at that show. <laughs> yeah. Unlike this shirt that I'm wearing that I bought from the Garden show of Iron Maiden about 14 years ago. <laughs> that, that was our first trip around seeing them, right? The Give Me Ed Till I'm Dead tour? Yeah. I don't know if it was... Was the Garden the first one that we went to? No, I think the uh, PNC was the first one we went to. But okay. it was the first go-around because we saw them three times that trip, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Because we saw them at... I think it was, it was PNC, the Garden, and then the Jones Beach, wasn't it? I think so. Or or I think I think Garden may have been last. Whatever. I, I don't remember. I just remember because I remember now for PNC we got in there we thought that Motorhead was playing Ace of Spades and they weren't they were just playing every other song that they have that sounded exactly <laughs> like Ace of Spades <laughs> um, yeah. so let's go on to Heavy Metal in the Charts and it looks like you wrote down the details this time so yes I did to... so we don't have to go scrolling through it here alright so Billboard Top 200 real quick Rise Against their new album Wolves debuts at number 9 we're still questioning why Beatles Sgt. Pepper is at number 11 even though it's down from number four, why is it still so fucking high up there? Mm. Who the fuck knew that Rancid was still a thing? I, I like Rancid. Yeah. But their new album, Troublemaker, debuts at number 23. That's not what I was expecting. But... Government Mule. Love that band. Revolution Come, Revolution Go debuts at number 35. They're one of those bands that, like, we, we talk about the, the, the ingrained fan base, but theirs is much smaller. And yeah. probably significantly more rabid. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember when we went Warren Haynes. Yeah. At yeah. Looney Tunes. It's badass. Yeah. Uh, Metallica Hardwired to Self Destruct is at number 46, up from number 54. And Roger Waters Is This the Life We Really Want is at number 68, falling from number 11. And that is the last thing that you wrote. So the only viable stuff that we have here goes up to number 68. <laughs> yep. Because everything else was pretty much, you know, your greatest hits and yada, yada, yada. We've already decided to cut that redundancy out. They should just make but, a billboard list for greatest hits. But no Disturbed, no Five Finger Death Punch. None. Thank you. Oh. Oh. Not the top 200. Not the top 200. Right, right, But then the, the, the next one. Well, I didn't write it down, but they are. They're, Got Your Six is not on the hard rock chart. It's oh. the Righteous Side of Heaven, blah, 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 blah. And, of course, Immortalized. However, we're just, Trying to stick with new releases here on the Hard Rock Albums charts. Rise Against Wolves debuts at number one. Metallica Hardwired is down from one to two. Volumes, their their new album Different Animals debuts at number nine. Suffocation has a new album out. Uh, of the Dark Light debuts at number 12. And Avenged Sevenfold is back on the Hard Rock charts with their album, The Stage. Now that everyone knows it's out. Yeah, because they're on tour and stuff like that. You know, they're properly marketing it. Anyway, they're back on the charts at number 20. Everything else, greatest hits. 
and or disturbed, disturbed or five figure death punch. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's right. No jacket. No new crap. Taking care of business now. Or I there's also a couple of Metallica records on there. I think Master of Puppets and Black Album, of course. Mr. So. Black. Yes. Mr. Black. There it is. Okay. Um. So that was a short show. Well, I think we kind of saved the bulk of the show for right now. Yeah, let's let's start the blustering off just right. Ready? Oh no! All of this chism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that clip can be used quite a lot for this this upcoming discussion. Um, so we mentioned last week we posted pictures last night. Um, the three of us all went to go see Iron Maiden at the AT&T Center here in San Antonio last night. It's been a long time coming. We bought tickets months ago. It's the first time that Chris and I have seen them in five years. It's the first time Pete has seen them. Yep. Um, and they were touring with Ghost. Let's, well, first, let's, let's, let's kind of break down where we were. We were on the fucking floor. We yeah, shilled, we, we shilled were. Out, we shilled out those Brave New World books. Yeah, we <laughs> most certainly <laughs> did. Making it rain um, to get floor... A floor seat. Um, I don't think I've had a floor spot for Maiden since the Hammerstein Ballroom. Instance. Really? Yeah. The last time I saw them, I was pretty much exactly where nope. I stood nope. with Pete. This time, I stood there last time. I don't. I don't do. Um, I don't do crowds usually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not exactly a people person. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not what you call a people person for the most part. Um, and I don't mind sitting. Of course, at, at a show, uh, I'm not one of those guys who's gonna get up front and. <laughs> no, I'm the guy in the back that's going, "Oh man, this is fucking badass." Guys looking at me like, "I think that dude's dead." <laughs> Look, I'm having fun. Shut yeah, up. We're, we're the kind of guys that like with people turn around, like, "Come on, man!" We're just like, "Shut up." I, I'm I'm sitting here frowning like Judge Dredd, but I'm having the time of my life. Rusty cat. <laughs> so, huh. so we were down on the floor. Uh, you guys were probably what within. Two, I was two to five people at the front, like uh, people yeah. back. No, a little bit further. further. I yeah. think we might have been like maybe ten yards back. Yes, okay. so, ten yards back. Still, still pretty damn. Close. Yeah, like the camera, the camera, the pictures that I was posting on my Facebook page actually does no justice to how close exactly we were. Mm-hmm. So well, even yeah. even where I stood, I was I was in the middle of the soundboard area the whole time, and that was perfect. So, um, so. The band that was opening up for them was Ghost. I'm going to let you guys take this one. Sure. I'm just going to interject where I feel comfortable. Yeah. They're fucking amazing. Yeah. I hadn't seen Ghost in six years. Last time I saw Ghost was here in San Antonio. It was one of the first shows I saw when I moved down here. It was Ghost, Opeth, and Mastodon. It was the Heritage Hunter Tour, and Ghost is still touring off of their first record. So it was mm-hmm. before uh, the, the second one came out. So they were still trying to pick up steam. And thing is their show has gotten so much better their sound is so much fuller now and i think the the band itself has had well the band has been rotating right we've talked about a lot recently but the band seems to be having more fun with it they're a little bit more active because the new the nameless ghouls actually get more into it now yeah um and papa he is just i mean his shtick is kind of slow moving and kind of slow talking but he is very charismatic mm-hmm with that, with that uh, character that he plays, um, he, they come out. What was the first song? Uh, it was Square Hammer. Square Hammer, yeah. I was gonna say it's, it's it's the it's the one of maybe, maybe two songs, maybe three. Well, they play they play Square Hammer first, and I was actually surprised by the crowd response 
to them. Like the crowd was really into Ghost last oh, yeah. night. That and was that was actually surprising thing because we were online as soon as you walked away to go get the tickets, two, two guys came up behind us and like. They started off the general consensus that I got from people the night, which was like, "Yeah, I'm here to see Maiden. Uh, who's the opening band? Uh, uh, I don't give a fuck." Like, there was quite a bit of that. I mean, you kind of saw it somewhat in just the crowd. Like, uh, if I remember correctly, I had this general sense that there were not a lot of people there while Ghost was playing. Like, I'd say like the the GA area was maybe about half. Build, from I remember, and then there was just like kind of a smattering of people in the seats when it started. Uh, granted, I'm granted, I didn't look back very often. Like, when it, by the end of it, it seemed much more, yeah, uh, filled up, but it, I, I don't know, it was kind of a strange thing. Maybe it was just people coming in later or something. I when know. I left you guys, um, because I, I saw you guys up at the front for a little while, and then you know, once once they were getting ready to set up, like, once they hit 7 30, like, bye. Ran back. Um, so I got to see it fill up. And by the time the ghost was done, the area, all of the area up to the front of the soundboard, like, that was filled with people. Okay. And the seats had gotten significantly more filled up over time. Yeah, because I, I, I walked out right after uh, Circe. Circe? Uh, it's just church is actually it, the... Is that how it's pronounced? It's okay. like the old Gaelic or English okay. way of saying church. Uh, I walked out just after that song to go meet up with a friend. And walking through the crowd to get to him, it was um, to the back area. It was like there was a decent amount of people back there. So yeah. here we go. Yes, where? Oh, dude, the the second song from the pinnacle to the pit. Mm-hmm. That was the shit Are right you there. Pulling up the set list. Yeah, you're yeah. on setlist.fm. Yep, I am. Okay. So going back to what you were saying, I mean, the first thing is granted the. You know the band, his his nameless schools get rotated out all the time, but whoever the current rotation is, I mean they're extremely talented. Yeah, I mean oh my god, like it, just, it sounded so perfect. They were just every single one of them were on top of their game musically, and like you said, you know that I think they've kind of the group that he has now seems to understand the role. Like they are just Papa's band, and they're there to just kind of perform as that. You yeah, know? and they just roll with it and they have fun with it. And the, there's like these little like interludes. I think there was one that was right before church where, you know, they do like a kind of like a faux guitar duel. And even that was cool just to watch them, even though there's no dialogue or anything like that. Just they're very emotive. They're very into their character and it makes for a very enjoyable experience um, as you're watching them. Yeah. And right as I was, I think he, he switched into what Dan describes as his uh, sexy magician outfit. Uh, Papa went from the Pope outfit to the to sexy magician outfit right for church, I think. Right. And then um, I left, and then from what I heard in the hallway, Year Zero sounded fucking incredible. It was one of my favorite tracks that they have done. Um, and then Absolution, and then I didn't really expect them to play Mummy Dust. I, didn't, I thought that was like kind of like... Not necessarily a throwaway track on that album, but more of like you know, like kind of like a, a backtrack. Um, and then, of course, the last track was uh, "Monstrance Clock," which is a great track, especially at the ending, right? With the um, the group singing "Come Together," Lucifer's Son, all that good stuff. It's fucking. I want to see this band headline, and we missed that show that that came by this right. past October, unfortunately. 
But I want to see this band headline to their own show because I think it would just be something really special to see. Even for, like, I guess the relatively smaller number of songs they played, it was a very tight set list. And they clearly, like, they know their fan base because, like, the people that were up there at the time uh, were all into Ghosts. Like, there were several people that were right next to us that were, like, big Ghost fans. And like you said, like, even ending it with Monstrance Clock, like, that, like, everyone went crazy. Everyone went crazy during that one. And also during Year Zero. Yeah, and like, Ritual. And Ritual, yes. So, yeah. I mean, all, all around it was a great show. And, of course, you know, Papa and vocals just were on point. Yeah, like, I mean, I, man, he's he's just a really good character. And, like, he's really able to carry the presence of that band mm-hmm. as him, like, just by himself, really. Because, see, like, we, we talked about the rotating members of the band. Really, the, the, the band is Papa. Right. And just him carrying that whole thing forward is awesome. I think he's he's great. I think, you know, them playing to this kind of crowd. I had I had kind of a, a brief conversation with someone that was up there. And I I think you're right, Dan. There was like quite a few people there that probably didn't know, didn't know anything about Ghost at all. But the sound of Ghost is so accessible, you know, to, to people who are fans of, say, Iron Maiden. Um, cause it's not super heavy. There's no growling vocals. It has kind of these ties to classic rock and maybe a little bit of psychedelic rock here and there. And so it actually plays to the demographic for, uh, Maiden fans. So hopefully, you know, when we were talking about this, it was like, you know, you wouldn't think of a combination like that for, uh, like a tour, but it works. And plus the subject matter is all, oh, yeah. it's all Satan Absolutely. stuff. I mean, yeah. if they're, if anyone's a fan of number of the beast, they're going to want to listen to something like ghost right you know it's just a different version of the same thing pretty much sexy magician are you guys done yes yeah. okay because now 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 that we've gotten through this oh no all of this chism here comes the outsider perspective because i am technically not a ghost fan i have only heard a couple of tracks um and i you know Saw it from halfway back. I was able to absorb the entirety of the set in one shot. Um, so I'll run through a couple of things. Their stage setup, fucking amazing. Yes. Like the background the and backdrop, everything. Yeah. The backdrop was great. Um, the layout of the stage was perfect um, because you pretty much had, at a given time, you had the X with the um, nameless goals and you had Papa run across the front and then you had the, the string musicians kind of run here and there. I'll agree definitely that there was a lot of energy from the band, um, especially their bass player. The bass player was bopping around the whole time. Oh, yeah. Their, I would say their lead guitar player um, definitely had a lot of, of showmanship. There was a lot of, you know, like, you know, waving to the crowd, like, thank you, all that kind of stuff. Um, so whatever, whoever they are underneath those masks, um, they definitely perform not like – not like drones, but actual members of a band. Um, so, and, and even at the end, when they all they all get together and they bow, you don't know who they are, but they at least feel like a unit. Yeah, right. So, yeah, which is which is cool. Um, the the other aesthetics of their show, all of the lights, the smoke, everything like that, worked extremely well. So aesthetically, this show was was on point, no questions asked. Um, I think I don't know if it was where I was standing or not, but I feel like some some sound was lost 
for both bands. Um, and in this case, I think a little bit of Papa's voice was lost from where I stood. Um, I can kind of agree with that. Yeah. Um, the only time, like, for me, it's like actually the only time I really noticed it. Um, and at the time, I thought it was because I was like, my hearing was going out or some shit. Uh, but I, I ended up noticing it too during Iron Maiden. It was just during like the the dialogue parts, like where he's like talking to the to the crowd. It, I felt like you know for some reason I actually can't really understand the, like what he's saying kind of clearly. And then vocally, like lyrically, it, I noticed it as well. So there was definitely some of that. Well, it's like when he spoke, I heard him no problem. Everything he said, I heard. All right, heard. then maybe I'm going deaf. So, <laughs> but like when he sang, I feel like there was enough going on sound-wise, his voice being the tone or pitch that it may be, it just kind of blended in. I think there's so. also, there's certain parts of the songs that, that on the record, he mm-hmm. sings in a higher register, mm-hmm. um, where live he sings a little bit lower, which were kind of maybe blended in, because I think there's parts in Ritual where that happens, mm-hmm. where live, or studio-wise, it's, it's higher pitch, live if he went a little bit lower so it kind of like I said it just kind of mixed in with like the lower tones of like the guitars and the bass and stuff like that yeah. so I, I know what you're saying there yeah um, there were a couple little things that I, I liked during the show um, you know obviously Papa's outfit is, is pretty cool his original outfit the, the Pope thing I left to go to the bathroom at some point and I come back and he's in a sexy magician phase <laughs> <laughs> that, was my, that was my first thought I get down to the bottom of the floor I'm like oh man <laughs> He's gonna show some magic. <laughs> <laughs> the fingers, and everything. Jesus. That's, that's actually something that I, I'm, I'm, I'm partially a vision. That I'm partially stealing it from um, a comedian. You ever heard of uh, Bill Burnham? Yes. And he does the whole thing where like his his dad accuses them of being too flamboyant. And he just like does like this. He, his response involves waving his hand and glitter comes flying out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forget the actual joke, but that's what I'm thinking of. Just <laughs> so. Um, but just generally, um, Papa's presence, despite not being necessarily energetic, is, just, as you said, charismatic. Um, his random talking was very funny, um, pretty endearing. He could have, towards the end, he could have done the whole, the female orgasm speech a little bit shorter. Um, yeah. yeah. But, again, it's, it's, it's endearing to, to someone who wouldn't be a fan. Um, I'm not necessarily inspired to go out and listen to more of their stuff. But for a live show, it was great for everything everything that it needed to be. And what I like is the fact I don't I've never thought of Ghost as being a bigger band. Um, I mean, I shouldn't kind of expect it because they they did play the Aztec Theater, but for them not necessarily being particularly commercial, even though they've won these awards and everything. They know how to operate the stage. Mm-hmm. They, they, like, not, not to the same degree as Iron Maiden did, which we'll get into, but they knew how to set up the stage and have it all worthwhile. So, so they, it's definitely, even if you don't like the band musically, they're, they're a sight to see. Yeah. So, yeah. Big, big fan of that one. Yeah. And it's funny that, the, that there's, you know, they went over well enough in, in very, God heavy San Antonio. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> San Antonio that bad. Well, the, comparatively. The, the the funny thing is that we were, we met a guy right before the show started, Pete and I did, and he's a big Ghost fan, and he 
this is actually off topic, but he told us that he only started listening to Opeth two months ago. It's like, dude, you got like 20 years of catching yeah. up to do, bro. Hey, better late than never. <laughs> true. That is true, yes. Dude. Um, <laughs> so they played, what, 45 minutes, I'd say? They I'd say, because they started almost pretty, they started pretty promptly at 7.30. Yeah. Mm, well, 7.30, they, they, I left you guys at 7.30. So oh. They went on about five ten minutes later. All right, whatever. But they they played a good forty forty five minute set. So yeah, Ghost got off the stage. Um, they started setting up for Maiden. At which point in time, um, I'm getting the, like they they like what they they don't really unveil the set until the lights go down. Oh yeah. And like they they kind of give you a little video to distract you. They know they know they know us. <laughs> Shiny objects. Just <laughs> of course, as soon as you hear Doctor Doctor, it suddenly just becomes. You're excited. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Bob Costas. And like I, I, I hear the song starting, I, and 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 everyone's getting excited and everything. And I look back, and then there's you, kind of like running down the stairs, pat me on the back, and run up front. <laughs> I, <laughs> was like, I was actually very surprised that I got back to where Pete was at all, because I really had to like be that dick that's just kind of like push past people. I've never done that before, so I was like, "Fuck this!" I'm. I pay my fucking money. I'm going as far up as I can. Of course, as soon as you get to that point, the next tallest person in the building goes right in front of you. It was Pete. <laughs> Actually. Oh, Pete. This does not help. <laughs> you a douche. No, it worked out because I actually knew him, so it was okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't some like, random douche. It was just like, my friend. Every five minutes, you're like, I'm going to punch this motherfucker. Oh, hey, Pete, what's up? How you doing, bro? The one dude not, that wasn't wearing an Iron Man t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to punch your face in the face. So, Iron Maiden goes on roughly nine, nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just a, according to Jay from um, San Antonio S- Metal, Metal Music. Z- yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, they were supposed to go on at eight fifty. They were about ten minutes behind that little. Which, which obviously isn't terrible, and it's not. We've we've gone to shows where like the last band's going on at twelve thirty one o'clock. Yeah, well. So, um, so they go on at nine. Start off with a little intro video for Book of Souls. They start unveiling the stage, and we've seen Iron Maiden enough times to know that like the stage, we know what their stage setup is. So basically, all they're doing is kind of changing the the outward look of it, um, and they did all sorts of totemish for Book of Souls. Mm-hmm. Start off with um, If Eternity Should Fail. Mm-hmm. Um, Opening track of Book of Souls. Yes, right. and then right into Speed of Light, from, which is the next track from Book of Souls. Yeah. Um, now, knowing, even before we saw the set list, because we saw all the set list beforehand, I always check out set lists before I go to shows. Um, Do you? I thought you'd be like one of those guys that wants to be surprised. I'm surprised when I look at the list. That's me, though. <laughs> like, I almost never look at set lists no, uh, I, beforehand. Because... I, I, I like to look at it beforehand and know, like, for a band like Maiden, set list never changes. Yeah, so you know exactly what to expect. Sometimes sometimes other bands will try and change things up. I'm Metallica, sure Metallica, Metallica yeah. changes their set list almost every night, so. Yeah. Um, but I like to know what I'm going into, usually. Um, with, okay, we've, we've, been, we've been seeing the band for 14 years now. Their show hasn't changed. No. It's still just as good from day one when we saw it, I'm sure it's just as good as it was a decade before that and a decade before that. Um, and it's good, to, it's good to know that even 
at this point onward, they are still putting on a very energetic show. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to let you guys take over for a little bit. So. Well, well is, your, is your pants getting too tight in the crotch area? I or, mean, or? maybe, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, they go on stage, and I'm like... I have no idea how to breathe. <laughs> well, I have to say that I really like Book of Souls. I listened to it like the week leading up to the show. So I was very excited from the set list when I looked it up because they pretty much played the entire first disc and then Death or Glory from the from disc two. So we talked that they said they did the If Eternity Should Fail, and that was cool because the beginning of that song is just a little bit of synthesizer with Bruce singing, and they opened that track up live with Bruce singing into like a, a smoky cauldron on top of the stage, which was pretty cool. With the, you know he wears this hoodie, which is absolutely insane in texas oh my God. yeah in june um and that song is great and then going into speed of light which is which is like their hard rock track from the album their their their, their energy their song their anthem song. their anthem song and the the crowd was into it the crowd got fired up and they were just ready to go and then they broke out Wrathchild. and Wrathchild, when we usually see them Tends to be like a later in the set kind of thing, kind of get everyone kind of back into it. I think. I think it's usually earlier. Yeah. Yeah, it's usually within the first five tracks. Is it really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, again, crowd all sorts of fired up. You know, the big sing along moments with the with the chorus and everything, and then Bruce gives us a speech about if you were born in 1984 to 85, there is a distinct possibility that your parents were getting it on to this next track, "Children of the Damned." Which, you know, I don't think... Have we ever seen that live? No, we have not seen it live. We have not seen that live. Um, the last time I knew that they played it live, aside from this tour, was back uh, 2002. This is, this is my recollection. Um, from the Brixton Academy when they were raising money for Clive Burr. Ah. Or for his... Uh, for MS. Um, likely they threw it in there because of the fact that he was on the song. Um, I don't know why they haven't played it that often. Um, but on the tours that we saw... It was not included, so. But that was quality, mm-hmm. you know. Not not like, like we've talked that Maiden is ver- fairly predictable as far as what you're gonna hear. So this was actually a very unpredictable moment mm-hmm. for a very predictable band. Yeah. Then we go back into the the new record uh, with Death of Glory, which is the opening track of the disc two, and then my favorite track of the whole album, the Red and the Black, mm-hmm. all. 14 fucking minutes of it mm-hmm. and that was I think the highlight of musicality for me because the entire second half of that song is pretty much Bruce leaves the stage and Dave Murray the band grooves yeah Dave Murray Adrian Smith and Yannick just go fucking nuts for seven minutes and it's glorious and I think this is the where I got the most surprise out of the audience is because there's not much of a chorus to this song. It's just a bunch of, you know, whoa-oh's thing. And the crowd was really into that part of it. And I wasn't expecting that because San Antonio, we've talked about, is more of an old-school crowd. Like, they want to hear the old shit. Mm -hmm. This is a new song, and but everybody was into it. I thought it was really fucking cool. Cool, like, just kind of jump on that point. Um, So that guy that we met that hadn't heard Opeth until recently, his dad was there. Right, right, right. And his dad is, like... Like you described, like a very old school Maiden fan. Like I mean, he was he was also one of the loudest people (laughs) up there for sure. But that aside, um, he uh, 
he made a comment like something like uh, that he was there because he wanted to hear a lot of the classics and he just I don't think he had really listened to the to the Book of Souls if at all and because he didn't recognize um, this particular song but then by the end of it he said something along the lines of that was incredible that's been the best song thus far you know like so um yeah that, that's a hell of a track for sure it's basically a way of saying shut the fuck up and listen to the new stuff yo <laughs> i also like the fact that when you when you when they go and play the red and the black after playing like a couple of their classic tracks like children of the damned and Wrathchild, you can see the progression of the band musically because mm-hmm. like Wrathchild is like what three four minutes tops it's like two minutes and 40 maybe whatever yeah the red and the black's literally like almost 10 times that length and it just the the progression of the band mm-hmm. in that sense is and the thing is that's their newest song i mean they've been doing this for 40 years and they're still expanding their sound to this new level mm-hmm. every single time they release a record mm-hmm. you know and it's not like slayer releasing the same album year after year after year these guys are still trying to work on something new so i think just that and the appreciation of that part of it from the crowd would actually made the show for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was halfway through the show. And then we still had the whole second half of the show to go. Yep. Second half of the show starts off with my favorite uh, Iron Man track of all time, which is The Trooper. That was the other song. We had mentioned on the, on the 10 feet drive from <laughs> one spot to the next um, that there were a few moments during the night that it felt like there was like missed sound cues. Trooper was the one where I feel like somebody's guitar was strangely louder. There was something going on sound-wise there, like that it just sounded staticky. Uh, something like that. There was just some sort of issue there that I was like, what the fuck is that? Um, it was that and uh, the cues for Blood Brothers that yeah. I was a little unsure about. But again... My favorite track from the from Iron Man and the Trooper kind of like sets off the, the the pace of the second set here, mm-hmm. or second half of the set. Yeah, because then they follow that up with Power Slave. My favorite thing about that is that Bruce didn't wear his traditional mask; he wore a fucking um, luchador luchador mask. Yeah, he rocked that was luchador awesome. so Loved hard. Love that. Yeah, that was awesome. That was, that was awesome. Because normally he has like the big feathery like Native American or it's um, like a chicken but, mask. Or yeah, like I don't know. It, it's. It was cool. That was that was really cool. Yeah. Um, then they followed it up with two more new tracks: "The Great Unknown" and "The Book of Souls." This is where I think the set kind of like slowed down a little bit, you know, because I was I wasn't too familiar with that, those two tracks, I guess. Yeah. But then of course they pick it right back up with "Fear of the Dark." I mean, who doesn't like "Fear of the Dark," mm-hmm. and who can't unhear Van Canto when they do that? I can. I could. <laughs> And of course, the Iron Maiden, mm. and this is where they brought out their new Ed the Head behind uh, Nico's set. And well, first let's talk about. I think it was during Fear of the Dark that they brought out the stand-up one. Yeah, yeah. Was it, was it during Fear of the Dark, or was it was it Book of Souls? I, it was Fear of the Dark. Cause it's always during one of their classic ones. So it was yeah, Fear of the Dark. I, okay. Um, this has definitely been the most fluid moving of their their tall Eddies. Yeah, their, their standing Eddies. Um, Always fun to see them do like a whole lot of, you know, actions with the band. I think this is the first time I've actually really seen it interact with Bruce because there's a whole bit where he goes up to the, the, um, the whatever you call it, the ramp. No, the the, the whoever's in the suit oh. goes up to it, grabs it through the chest, and pulls out a heart, right. which he then squeezes out blood onto the audience and everything. 
It was their guar moment. Yeah, yeah, and a little squirts of blood. Um, that was unexpected because typically when they come out, it's usually uh, Dave Murray and Yannick Gers yeah. doing, doing the fighting. Um, so this was like a little extra element that was actually really cool. Um, we talk about Maiden being predictable. There are very tiny elements of the unpredictability with that. Yeah, I think we should finish getting through the set list and then talk about like the – the little things that they do to make their show fun. Okay, so then let's go with the... So, the Iron Maiden, uh, the Ed the Head behind, Ed the Head behind um, Nico this time was actually really cool. Which was the Book of Souls cover. Yeah, yeah. and it was inflatable, which why it probably took so a little while to, for it to inflate up. Mm-hmm. But we talked about that la- last night, how it looked like a, th- like a, from far away where Dan was, it looked like a 3D element. Of uh, the show, like, like, a, like well, part of the tapestries in the background. Before they brought it up, you can see like you can see the back of it, like the top of its head, and you can see the like the string that's going to bring it up and everything. But if they didn't have that there, it looked like a three D image. Yeah, it was very. It was. I'm sure up close, it looked a little like you could see more flaws to it. From where I was with the lighting, the way it was, it looked so perfect. Um, yeah, it was actually really, uh, from where we were, minus the string on the top of the head, like you said, it was cool because it, it stood up or it came up behind Nico and then all of a sudden just like leaned forward like it was like part of the video that you see like in the like on the on the what's it called when they do gifts of the um, of the album cover or something yeah, like that it's yeah. what exactly what it looked like it's in again it was another matter of whatever props they had this time around were much more there was a lot more fluidity to it they, yeah. they, they didn't seem so clunky and they were just kind of like uh, uh, you know they were it, it felt more Alive, it was a uh, their production value went went up a little bit, which I guess. is amazing. This late in the game, yeah. like you know, someone came into some money. <laughs> All right, so Iron Maiden ends. We go into our encore set here. They open up the encore set with the number of the beast, mm-hmm. which is always a classic track, of course. Um, then they go into Blood Brothers, which we've seen a lot. Um, we've seen a handful of times, yeah. Yeah, because they they were playing the Blood Brothers the tour when Dio passed away. So we saw that a couple times, um, and this one, of course, it was more geared towards you know unity and people and stuff like that, yeah. given what's going on in the world and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was very appropriate mm-hmm. and awesome. Although I think this is where you said that they they had a couple of miscues, maybe. Yeah, I, I feel like when they started off the song, um, maybe somebody jumped ahead a little bit, and I think Bruce may have like started off the singing a little bit too early, too late. Like there was a, definitely a point where you're like you can he- you're used to hearing the studio track and someone was just off, so I don't I don't know what it was but yeah. And then the the closer of the show, wasted years, which I happen to love. It's my favorite Maiden song. I love so. that song. So. so, but that was the set list. Now let's talk about like some of the things that they do that make it more fun. I was saying before about Ghost and about owning a stage. Last night, I, was, I sat there and th- was going through the motions about thinking about Iron Maiden. Um, and in my not-so-humble opinion, I think that Iron Maiden is the epitome of heavy metal in every way. And one of the things that's great about them is their ability to use a stage. You have every last bit of it. Everything's covered. Everyone's doing something. Even... The band members who are, you know, getting close to their 60s, they're still putting so much energy and joy into it. It's probably the most fun I've seen the band having. 
Um, and they, they again, they don't really do anything that differently than what they were doing 14 years ago. It just seems that like even at this point where they've said however many times that like I don't know how many more years we've got, you look like you're having the time of your lives. Yeah. So and, like, and 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 even with like Bruce going around, Bruce messing with everybody except for Steve Harris, who would probably punch him in the nose. <laughs> I don't think anybody messes with Steve Harris. Yeah, yeah. But like you know, Bruce going around to everybody. There's a there's during one of the during Death or Glory. Death or Glory. He's, uh, Bruce is wearing this monkey mask and he's handing out bananas to the band, throwing them into the audience. I think one of my favorite bits. I think it was during the solo for Fear of the Dark, where. Bruce kind of goes up to, to Yannick Gers and kind of puts him in a headlock and puts him in his sweatshirt and while Yannick is still fucking playing can't see a goddamn thing he's doing but he's still playing yep. and he's like punching him in the face and, and like I said it looks like a bunch of fraternity brothers just having the time of their lives up there on stage and they've been doing this for 40 fucking years it's incredible that's what I was asked how old are they? Uh, I think I think Dickinson's the youngest. I think he's like 54, 55. Yeah. I think Nico's the oldest. He's got to be pushing 60. The thing about Nico is great is that you don't see what he looks like except on the on the on the screens mm-hmm. until the end of the show. You're like, yeah. like you know, there's a drummer back there, but you don't fucking see him. <laughs> yeah, like he's he's hidden behind the tom toms and the cymbals and everything. And that's and again with with Bruce messing around with the band, he's going up to the cymbals and kind of grabbing them before yeah. he's hitting them and everything. With some of the things that you mentioned that made it fun, like Death or Glory, he comes. Bruce came out with the the monkey mask on, and then there was like monkeys, like inflatable monkeys flying from the ceiling for some reason. Yep, which was really freaking fun. Like it's just little things like that that Maiden does that kind of like takes the piss out of it. Yep. Like they're not, they don't take themselves as seriously as you would think somebody would. Right. You know, it's not they're not like, you know, the black metal bands who are like you know Satanism all the time. Some of, them, yeah. some, some of them, them. yeah. Some of them, yeah. It's probably like decreasing nowadays. But yeah, yeah, but I think it's mean. like Maiden is has is really having a lot of fun and really just kind of like making it just so much more fun to go out and see a fucking show than some other bands, you know? Yeah, I just, I mean, I got mm. hit in the head with a monkey. <laughs> I, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I just say like you know when I'm pushing sixty, man, I just hope I can fucking rock like that. God All right. Damn. Like, um, and of course, like their their set is always full of fun things like pyro and the the smoking cauldron, and um, you know the. It took me forever to realize that the the, the totems on the sides had their faces on it from yeah. the cover. I yeah. yeah, totally didn't even realize that until the very end. All right, so I'm going to ramble for a little while. <laughs> oh shit! Here we go. Let's turn our microphones off and just let Dan no, go no, on. No, no. It's it's it, it goes with what I was saying before because again. At shows, you know, when I'm watching, I tend to sit there and just kind of watch and retreat into my own thoughts. Um, and I'll say again, I think that Maiden is the embodiment of heavy metal. Yep. They are commercially successful without being technically mainstream. They have stuck to their guns, but have, like, evolved. They have some of the biggest selling tours of a year and yet so many people don't really know about them Mm -hmm. like they are pretty much the spirit of metal to me and the fact that they can continue doing what they do this this far into their career and do it as exceptionally well as they do is a testament to them is a testament to the style of music is a testament to the fandom um as you were saying before with the whole thing about the new tracks and kind of winning over people with the new tracks. I feel like the band hasn't really 
evolved very much musically since the 90s. They're exploring the things that they were trying that didn't necessarily go over so well originally because they started changing their sound with X Factor. What they with sound Blaise like Bailey. now. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a damn shame because, like, Sorry. the Sorry. albums like like Book of Souls, like Matter of Life and Death, they, they reflect what they were going for on X Factor. And it's a shame that they, they did not go over so well because of what was going on at the time, Bruce being out of the band, Blaze Bailey coming in, them being so uncompatible as far as, you know, being able to say who's better, who's got this. Like, I'll say that Dickinson's always going to be the better singer. Um, and I will point out the faults of those other albums and everything. But they haven't, they've just kind of gone further and further into what they want to do into this progressive territory. And it's, it's worked. You know, I can't I can't argue with anything that they do because of the fact that it's it's not led by anything else but themselves. Um, that being said, obviously this is a tour in support of the album. When they come around again next time, and they're playing older stuff again, I want to know what the set list is going to be because they're going to pull out some. Well, random stuff. They do the um, they do these things like every every other tour, right? I mean, they do a new album. They do then new they album, do, then they do old tour. They do an old tour. Like we've seen the the back in the day one. Then we saw the um, the last one. What was it? Somewhere back in time. Uh, the Made in England tour. Yeah, that's the one because yeah. we saw the Somewhere Back in Time tour. We saw the Made in England tour. I mean, what's next? Well, there there really is no next at this point. That next next it would be kind of like. Um, the Gimme Ed Till I'm Dead tour, which was just pretty much like hits. Yeah, that well, that was just like a, randoms. A, yeah, that was just like let's let's scoop up a little bit of everything and just roll with it. Because yeah, they played, they played. Uh, what's my favorite? Song, my other favorite song. Why well, can't I even think? The Klansman. Yeah. On that tour. Yeah. So they were they were hitting a little bit of everything. That was that was post Brave New World, but before they started hitting Dance of Death. Yeah. Um. And. Like I want to know what they're going to whip out this time because we've we've seen them do the old stuff. We saw the early days tour. We saw um, the live after death somewhere back in time era stuff. So we've seen it all. I want to know where they go from there. What I really would like to see is a tour of like the last four records. Maybe not so much Final Frontier. Mm. More like you know, Matter of Life and Death, um, Dance of Death, which I thought was great, and. Um, and the book is well, not book of souls. We just saw that, but like Brave New World, up to just Final get the Rock and Rio DVD. <laughs> because honestly, like that's that's not going to happen this late in their career. I don't know, man. I mean, some of the songs, like what's the one? The what's the Benjamin one? What's the tra- reincarnation of Benjamin Reek? I love that fucking song. It's a I good would, song. I would love to see that live again. I th- I think what we should do for for bands like Metallica and Iron Maiden is just come up with your ideal set list. That's not a that's, bad. That's that would be a good discussion. That's a future discussion, right there. That would be a good discussion. Pick, pick basically fifteen to eighteen songs, but that's I mean, that's that's another time. Um, wow, that'd be fun. But with with Maiden, um, I like the selection of tracks that they did for the old stuff because we know from every single time they do an album it is technically five to six songs they pick from the new album to play it's except for except for matter of life and death when they play the whole damn when thing. they played the whole thing and then five songs which a lot of them were expected because mm-hmm. they you know iron maiden fear the dark um uh hollow be thy name i think was played on that tour they didn't play run to the hills on that tour I'm pretty they didn't sure. play run to the hills on this one either yeah they didn't play run to the hills on this one either um which I'm okay with. I'm sure the band's okay with that. 
Um, but the choices that they did make, because they covered the first five albums, because um, you had their namesake song from the first one. You had um, Wrath Child from Killers. You had two from Number of the Beast. You had uh, Trooper. Um, they covered the first six albums because Power then you had Slave. Power Slave and then you had Wasted Years. So they covered right up until somewhere in time and, and then Fear the Dark. Dark. Um, and that's a, that's a good and, spread. And, and uh, Brave New World with Blood Brothers. Yeah. Uh, that, like, even like, just disregarding that, of the older stuff, that's a good spread. You know, um, for, for, a, for a new album tour, that's yeah. a good spread of stuff. Um, would I have wanted to see any other tracks from those albums done? Honestly, not really. Because this is, this, again, it's, it's a matter of the predictability of Iron Maiden. Like, you know what they're going to play. You know they're going to do, they're going to, they're the, although they do things for themselves overall, they're still going to be crowd pleasers. They're oh, still yeah. going to pick the, the ones that they know are going to get the reaction, which is why the Troopers always get played. Um, which is why Power Slave is probably the ideal song to play from that album if it wasn't going to be Aces High or Two Minutes to Midnight. Um, I've seen Two Minutes to Midnight a lot, too. Yeah. With, with Killers, Wrathchild. Everyone's going to know Wrathchild. Like, that bass line is going to set people into a fucking frenzy. Yep. Um, Number of the Beast... The addition of Children of the Damned was probably the best choice they had for that night. And that was probably an, at the expense of taking out, like, probably Run to the Hills or something else. Well, Run to the Hills they seem to have been keeping out for the most part. Hollow Be Thy Name is caught up in some sort of legal bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. This um, is unfortunate. Invaders, you know they're not going to play. Um, Gangland and Total Eclipse are not well-known enough. 22 Acacia Avenue <sighs> is, while, while, while a great song, yeah. I don't see them pulling it out. Same thing with The Prisoner. You go, you go with something that everyone's going to know, and it's going to kind of knock them out. And Children of the Damned is the track. There was a part of me that was really hoping for 22 Acacia Avenue. <sighs> like, I was like, if that happens, I'm going to... I well, think we could have walked out after that one. Yeah. That's, that's like the ultimate an unpredictability from a predictable band. Well, I was already kind of disheartened, like, because, like, right before the, the show started, like, Dan uh, was talking to me and was read the discussion about set lists, and he yeah. just is like, he was like, have you looked at the set list? He's like, no, I haven't. And, of course, before I could say, like, I usually don't look at set lists before the show, Dan says, oh, well, they're not going to play, Children, or they're not going to play Hollow Be Thy Name. And I was like, fuck. Like, that was actually, like, one of the songs. Well, we, the thing is, I was like, like, we talked about that on the podcast, but, yeah. too. And that's true. Like uh, I didn't think about it until like, oh, they were going to play that anyways. So, with that, there wasn't really no yeah. hope for that. Yeah. Um, the inclusion of the song "Blood Brothers" um, for from Brave New World, I felt was important for the entire set list because again, it's all focusing on new stuff um, and then a little bit covering the old. You needed something in the middle there, and it was more poignant than anything else. Mm -hmm. It needed to be there, I feel. Yeah, they, whenever they do play it, it's always for a reason. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, and then, of course, they close it with Wasted Years. Um, I, I like the song to begin with. I started to just absolutely adore it after seeing it um, on the Somewhere Back in Time tour so many times. Cause we saw them three times on yeah. that tour. It's oh. such it's 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 a beautiful song. It sounds phenomenal live. Yeah, it does. Um, so I was very glad they played it, and them playing that last is again a matter of poignancy. Yep. It's it's them, you know. 
it, it, it means a lot more now for the band than it did back in 86. So... It's also better than close out than like with like runs of the hills or anything like that. Where, you yeah, know. yeah. Again, it's a matter of like just kind of a period at the end of the sentence. Okay. A couple other tracks I would love to have heard that we've heard before, but I love them in a live setting. Is "Can I Play with Madness?" Yes. "Heaven Can Wait." Uh, no. I love that track. It's a good song. It's just I'm not, I'm not crazy about it. I, love, I just love the middle part where like the the whoa is in there because the whole crowd gets into it. Everyone's jumping around. I just I love that track live. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of songs that they have that are very, very live, atmosphere friendly. Um, the clairvoyant. Oh, the yeah. clairvoyant has that build into We've the chorus. Seen that one too. Yes, they like that can that can take down. You know that can that can knock out the the, the fucking stage pretty much. It's, it's, yeah, that's, it's, a, that's a good one. It, it builds hard. Um, but that's another thing that that's kind of irked me. Like I when I see stuff when people talking about maidens some of best material I hear a lot of stuff about Number of the Beast I hear a lot of stuff about Power Slave and I hear about Seventh Son Seventh Son tends to get overlooked live a lot because you have Can I Play With Madness they did um, Moonchild on one of the last tours we saw yeah um, which one is uh, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner on that's Power Slave oh. that's Power Slave um, and then the other one was The Clairvoyant but like a lot of Seventh Son can can get overlooked, which is kind of a shame because it's really it's really good and it is kind of more in line with what they ultimately ended up doing. X Musically. Factor Beyond. Yeah. So, um, I wouldn't even mind hearing a lot of stuff from No Prayer for the Dying or Fear of the Dark, but obviously the this is this is the point in time where you can't play cards like that. Yeah. You know, uh, as much as I would love it, they cannot. They can. I remember uh, when we saw them. In 2004, for the Dance of Death tour, they played Lord of the Flies from X, uh, X Factor. Nobody cared. <laughs> All three nights, no one cared. And I was like, come on, it's a good song, people. Well, that was also like when we saw them on the Matter of Life and Death tour, they played the entire album. Yeah. Nobody gave a shit. Like, I remember talking to some guy when I was working for um, working the construction job about that show. He's like, dude, that show sucked. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That album's amazing. You you suck. Yeah, that's why like that's why I like to look at the set list beforehand. So like I, again, I know what to expect. I'm not gonna be disappointed. I'm 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 pretty much open to whatever, um, especially with a band like Maiden. Even if like, I also think we we, we spoiled ourselves by seeing them so many times mm-hmm. that any kind of change is is a welcome change. Yeah. Someone who wants to see Maiden, who's going to see Maiden for the first time, might want to see some of these classic songs played live. So Pete. <laughs> so I mean, I can see where people would come from. Is like oh, they're playing too much new, too much new stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know, but if you, this is a band that's still releasing new music. They're gonna play new music live. I mean, yeah. same thing happens with Metallica plays in after a new album. They played the almost the entire first disc of their new record. Yeah. I mean, with with Metallica in particular. If someone has a complaint about them playing new songs, it's like, dude, where were you the last eight fucking years of touring? Because I'm sure they didn't play any new material yeah. then <laughs> because they haven't had a new album. You know, like that, like with Maiden, at least it's consistent every four years or so. Like you, yeah. get, you get new album tour and you get an old album tour or whatever. Or a new like, theme, or old theme tour. But so. for a band like Metallica, like they're gonna they're gonna mix it up because they have the they have it all in their in their little repertoire. Um, and they're not making anything new anytime soon. Like we got hardwired right now. We're not getting a new one until like 2025. <laughs> so, 
So yeah. Um, one last thing that I I'm kind of bug that you guys didn't mention. Uh oh. Um, since you mentioned that the infl- that the um, Book of Souls thing was inflated, the Satan that came up during Number of the Beast oh, was yes. inflated. I needed someone. I didn't want to do it myself. I needed someone to go. We salute you, half-inflated Dark Lord. Because <laughs> yeah. as soon as the song ended, it went down hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even notice. <laughs> I didn't even notice. I, I'm gonna say I actually. I don't know. I, I didn't like the way that thing looked. Um, there's something about like its face just looks so like corny. I, I mean, again, I haven't gone to like a lot to maiden shows, so mm-hmm. I don't know like what it's been before that. Well, my favorite one for for uh, Number of the Beast was I think one of the first time we saw them at PNC where they just had the big light up six six sixes on either side of the stage. Yeah, that's cool. And it just like lit up every time he said six six six. Oh, that's see, that's fucking sweet. That was <laughs> that was my favorite. Well, I think um, I think for the last few times we saw them play the song, it was a much smaller figure, not inflatable, but like. Um, a statue. It's a statue that kind of rose up. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it was it was probably like human sized, you know, probably six seven feet tall, and it would just kind of sit there, yeah, they, legs folded, arms folded, and just have light up eyes. Yeah, they definitely upped their game as far yeah. as production value this so time it, around. It, 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 having the much larger thing looked cooler to me because it was different. Um, so seeing it for the first time, you know, you may like. Hold on, let me. I have, I have a clip for that well, one. Well, <laughs> I also just... <laughs> Come on. Yeah, to me, it just it looked more like a dog, I guess. Like I know they're trying to go goat head. Instead of a goat head, it was just kind of weird. Like it took me a while for I was like, what the fuck? Like, but then I was like, oh, it's supposed to be like a, a goat head or whatever. But yeah, but yeah. Well, it was it was it had arms folded and everything. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was it was looked, at least look, looked like a humanoid. It wasn't like cheap or anything like that, but it was yeah. just kind of confusing to me, I guess, at first. I think it could have been. More satanic. I've, I've, I've <laughs> seen black metal bands do better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, d- black metal bands be throwing, like, carcasses at you and shit. Like, <laughs> so does like, Guar. They would have real hearts out of yeah. Eddie. Like, that guy would be and dead. Then, you'd leave there with, like, fucking botulism or something. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. <laughs> <laughs> throwing, throwing dented cans of super chupa. <laughs> um, but, yeah, anybody who's at the front, they, they kind of... Potentially made out like bandits because they just threw a lot of shit to the audience this time Dude, around. Them and Ghost. Yeah, yeah. It was it was definitely like you know, uh, Nico threw out a lot of the drum heads and everything. Someone got a free fucking banana. Someone got a free fucking banana. <laughs> Someone <laughs> ate that shit real fast. I was starving by the end of this show. Someone got the heart from Eddie. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, I also do want to point out, like as you were saying, um, Bruce came out in a friggin' hoodie. I'm sitting there. I, I have I have security telling me to back her from the soundboard because I'm getting too much sweat near their stuff. <laughs> and he's up there wearing a goddamn hoodie. I'm like, no, dude. Yeah, he definitely sweat oh. through like three pairs of pants. <laughs> well, he sweat enough for three pairs of pants, but only wore the one. So he was like drenched in sweat when he was done. Jesus Christmas. Yeah. Um, that poor bastard. So let's basically sum it up. Um, Iron Maiden, always an awesome show. You guys say that Ghost is always an awesome show. For me, an outsider, definitely, definitely worth a watch. Um, it hasn't made me a fan necessarily, but it's again worth a watch. Um, and Maiden's always Maiden. They do the same thing every time. I can't, I can't complain about it. And they always, there's always a little tidbits that are issues with their shows. 
um, some little sound issues and whatnot, not being able to hear Adrian. Um, but overall, Maiden never disappoints. And if he disappointed you, then you're a fuck up. <laughs> One of the greatest things about it is that during our career of seeing Iron Maiden, you know, twenty some odd times, I don't get paid for that. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't get paid for drinking, but I still consider it a career. Anyway, we've seen enough shows that almost every single show that we've seen in the, over the course of twenty, something seems to have always gone wrong. Something, the the sound, the beer on the soundboard, the Eddie that didn't come up during Matter of Life and Death. Um, the last tour didn't have too many. Well, the the, the stage went off, right? That was the one in Madison Square Garden where they. Yeah. That was the. Well, let's let's say because I don't remember the exact number. Let's say we've seen sixteen Iron Maiden shows. At least twelve of them, something significant has gone wrong. Yeah. Um, and this was one of the ones that didn't have any particular issue. Yeah. So. So was... it's always good to see, like, because I, considering. Considering how many times we've seen them, we always got kind of go in there with like a little bit of trepidation, a little like you know, biting the knuckle, like ah. Uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so usually during certain parts of their set, it's like when Iron Maiden comes on, it's like you know Eddie's going to pop up behind Nico. It's like I wonder if he's actually going to show up today. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's inflatable now, so you can't have that problem. Um, but I will say, in relation to that, when they started to um, when they finished up the song Iron Maiden, the first thing I see when the lights go on is just a beer cup go flying. I'm like, no! <laughs> Stop! <laughs> Thankfully, it was going towards the stage, but even then, I was like, stop throwing stuff at the band, please. The band has had a, band had a troublesome history with people throwing stuff on stage and them getting affected by it in some way. Well, they had a beach ball up there one, at one point. That That's a soft fun. thing. I'm pretty sure, like, one time, like, uh, Bruce got hit in the head with some ice or something like that. I think I was... Something like that happened at a show that I was at, I know. And he was like, don't do that. I will fuck you up. Steve Harris gets up there like... <laughs> just comes out with his bass and just starts... You know, like, suddenly like, there's a legit like gun in his bass. <laughs> <laughs> Say that shit again. <laughs> Say what again? <laughs> what are you no country I ever heard of? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, so that's what we thought about the Iron Maiden Ghost Show. Um... Obviously, there was a lot of jism going on around here. But if you have anything to say about the show... My goodness, is it moany shouty time again already? Let us know on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash the shred check. And I think that is where we're making our curtain call, because... I think all of the new food, because I'm actually kind of hungry, but it's 10 o'clock at night, and therefore I will likely be going to bed. So, well, shut up. <laughs> the real office game, yeah, completely off the game. Um, so, until next time, I'm Dan Mac. I'm Chris Mac, and I'm Pete. What the we fuck st- are we, we now? St- we still don't have a. a thing. <laughs> and we let's, are Sanford and Son. We'll end it with this. Whatever it is, Jack, we're number one in it. There you go. All right, All right. Dusty. Dusty Rhodes. <laughs>